everyone. Um, good evening. My name is Sandra, if I haven't met you before. Uh, thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, welcome to live streamers and those on the podcast. I actually think I'm supposed to be pointing at that camera. Um, thank you guys all for joining us in the, the many variations that you are joining us. Um, if you've never been here before, not typically the one up here, um, if you have been here before, you know that I'm not typically the one up here. Um, but if you haven't, you might get to the end of this and be like, that girl's a little crazy. Um, that's okay. I thrive in one-on-one -on -one conversations and board games. So just come hang out with me. You won't think that for very long. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I'm very excited to be able to be up here tonight. Um, as I was reading through the Gospel of Matthew, one of the four accounts of Jesus' time on earth earlier this semester, there were a few verses that jumped off the page to me. And I was like, aha, this is it. Uh, this, is, this is what I want to talk about. This is what I need to share uh, with you guys this year. Um, I'm very bad at reading when I'm nervous, so just bear with me a little bit. Um, so that's what I'm going to share with you guys tonight. I'm very excited about it. Uh, if you look around the room, it's painted very beautifully. Our MAs um, did a great job with all of their wonderful hands of help that came to help paint this room. We have a different theme every year. This year, our theme is the kingdom of heaven, um, where heaven and earth meet. So every year, that theme is different. Uh, side note, I try and quiz myself every year on all the themes past from my freshman year to now to make sure I still remember them all. I do, but it does take me longer now than it did before. Um, so um, this theme of where kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, where heaven and earth meet, in the Old Testament, this concept takes the form of the tabernacle. It's right there on that wall, uh, if you don't know what that is. Uh, it's a movable tent-like structure where God's presence dwelled. Um, and in the New Testament, we see heaven and earth meeting through Jesus, which brings us to our theme verse of the year. The kingdom of heaven has arrived. Matthew 4, 17. Uh, Jesus spends a good bit of his time here on earth telling us what the kingdom of heaven is like and trying to get our minds to understand that. And so that's what we're going to be digging into a little bit tonight. But before I go any further, please let me pray to begin our night. Dear Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the opportunity to have dinner and a message, to have it here at our house, Lord, um, and to meet publicly things that we oftentimes take for granted. Um, I thank you for everyone in this room tonight and all those listening uh, from other places that you um, have brought them here and brought them here safely, Lord. I pray that these will just be your words coming out of my mouth tonight, that you'll speak through me, um, and that we will all be able to receive the message that you have for us tonight. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So, as humans, like I said, we have a hard time understanding God because we comprehend things in limits and lines, time and space. But God doesn't exist in those realms, at least not only in those realms. So Jesus, who's oftentimes called rabbi or teacher, preaches and tells stories and lives out a life that is an example to try and help us fully understand what the kingdom of heaven is. One of those stories is the parable of the hidden treasure found in Matthew 13, 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. 
All right, let's break that up a little bit. The first part of the verse says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. If we look just a few verses back at a parable Donnie talked about a couple weeks ago, Jesus says in Matthew 13, 38, that the field is the world. If you weren't here a couple weeks ago, that's okay. Um, we just went through the parable of the weeds, and that's what Jesus is explaining in this verse, uh, what that means. Um, so if we apply, apply that meaning, because that's in the very same chapter, to this verse, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in the world, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sell, sells all that he has and buys the field. Now, I realize I didn't change the second field, but let's be honest here. Is the man buying the field for the field or the field for the treasure? Right. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, Caitlin. Uh, there will be moments where I ask for your participation. That one was just, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so finding the treasure gave him joy. And that joy compelled him to sell everything he has and buy the field to own the treasure. It doesn't specifically say he sold everything he has so he could buy the treasure. But it says he sold everything he has and buys the field with the treasure in it. He didn't have to give up everything to have the treasure in the field. He wanted to give up everything, to be fully focused on the field. That's how much he valued the field. That's what it was worth to him. Everything else didn't matter as much as owning that field, and if you will, partaking of the treasure. Now, like I said before, this is a parable. Jesus made this story up to teach us something about God and the kingdom of heaven. So this is a hypothetical man selling a everything he hypothetically has to buy a field for some hypothetical treasure. But there is another story in Matthew's account of Jesus' time on earth where Jesus encounters a real man who has real money and is in search of real treasure of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus gives him a really big challenge. In Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22, those will be up here behind me, kind of split up a little bit, but um, I'm going to read that story. So verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him, him being Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your mother and father, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. 
Here, we see what appears to be the perfect recruit for the disciples. He's rich. That money would be nice to help them get places that they need to get, things that they need to buy. He's morally upstanding. He's followed all of these commandments. And he is eager for eternal life. Even the disciples are jaw-droppingly shocked when Jesus says, Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. In Matthew 19, 24. People are used to the rich being first. That's true here in this passage. It's also true now in our culture. Our sense of value is skewed because of the world that we live in. We feel like our college degree is worth more than our mental health. That our individualism is more important than being part of a community. Efficiency is valued over talking to a person for two minutes in a drive through line, or, hear me out, going up to the counter. <laughs> we value how much money we're going to make versus caring what job we're doing. How many things we can do in a day instead of the quality of those things or the interactions had. Our culture tells us that if we can have or do all of those things in the first part, then we are accomplished, we're doing well, we're going places in life. But are we? Because that's not Jesus' standard for us. Not only was this man rich, he wanted eternal life. He was eager. He approached Jesus and asked what it would take, what he was missing. That takes guts. Imagine, all of you UGA college students here who have struggled through chemistry, um, that you are taking a chem class and you are struggling. There, you're not, something's not clicking. You're missing something. Would you go to a world-renowned chemist to ask for help? Yeah. This man is doing everything to the T of the law, but he knows something is missing. He wants to know how he can earn it. But Jesus says, if you would be perfect... Go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And the man walks away sorrowful. This is the opposite of the mental picture I had in my head for the man who finds the treasure. In my head, the man who finds the treasure is racing home. Maybe even skipping. <laughs> uh, and he's selling everything he can as fast as he can. He doesn't care what it's going for. He's just trying to get rid of everything so that he can get back to the field, so that he can be fully focused on the field. Um, but the rich man, who knew something was missing in the first place, that's why he went to Jesus, turns and walks away slowly with a heart almost broken because he's not sure if he can sell everything he has and follow Jesus. You see, in his ideal world, eternal life could fit into his already existing one with maybe a few tweaks. But the kingdom of heaven cannot fit into a system of life because it's its own system of living. Again, the kingdom of heaven cannot fit into my life, my system of life, because it's its own system of living. The kingdom of heaven cannot fit into 
our system of life because it's its own system of living. After the man finds the treasure, he is changed. He no longer values what he did before. So tell me, and this one is not rhetorical, please give me your participation. Uh, what gives things value? Scarcity. Scarcity. Joy you feel. Meaning that you give it. Memories, sentimental value. Time and energy. Intrinsic value. Quality. What something's worth, it's monetary value. The definition of value is the regard that something is held to deserve. The importance, worth, or usefulness of something. So what changes the value of things? Again, please feel free to answer. Time. No longer feeling joy, your feelings have changed. Whether or not it's useful. Yeah, when they break. New things, it's being replaced. When it doesn't fit into your system. It, doesn't, it no longer serves the use that you intended it for. Yeah. So after the parable of the hidden treasure, Jesus tells another parable, the parable of the pearl, saying, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all he had and bought it. This merchant sold all he had and bought the pearl of great value. What does he gain from the pearl? The pearl only has monetary value if he chooses to resell it. And sentimental value doesn't go that far when you don't have anything else. So why would you sell everything and buy the pearl? Look at how these two parables start. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, Matthew 13, 44. And then, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, Matthew 13, 45. Jesus is telling us what the kingdom of heaven is like, and he's showing us attributes of God. The treasure is the kingdom of heaven, but who's the merchant? God. God's the merchant. So what is God's pearl? What does God want so much that he's willing to sacrifice so much for it? Us. Us. There you go. She's just a little early. Uh, when people encounter you, they're encountering the treasure and the pearl. The kingdom is our treasure, and we're gods. And treasures are things that matter to us, things we value very highly, things we get excited about, express joy, things that make us want to go out in that joy and celebrate, and also participate in the kingdom of heaven. It is encountering intersections of heaven and earth that lead others to the kingdom of heaven into the family of Jesus followers. And sometimes it takes multiple people to get them there. <laughs> this is not everyone. I couldn't try and fit everyone on a slide or take the time to find pictures of everyone. Uh, I know I wouldn't be standing here today if in high school I didn't meet my friend Gracie, who I only met because she was sticking up for me against our band director. Um, 
And if someone had invited her here, for her to then invite me here, which was really a trick, but we'll, we'll get, if you, you want to know about that, we'll talk later. <laughs> uh, if the fresh turn at the time, which are our ministry assistants that are specifically focused on freshmen. So if you're a freshman here tonight, Britton and Denise are amazing. They are your fresh turns. Their hands are up, back up. Um, you should get to know them. Uh, so if the fresh turn at the time, Katie didn't get my number and asked me to go to coffee, if the ministry assistants as a whole didn't stay up to two or three in the morning every night, because that was my only time that I would come to the house, I was very busy freshman year. If Travis wouldn't have marched up to the financial aid office with me when I almost got kicked out of college because I filled out my FAFSA wrong and couldn't afford it, um, if countless people didn't sit down and read the Bible with me and encourage me to ask questions, or showed me that God loved me, by the way that they loved me. Even when I pushed them away, because I was afraid. I didn't think it would last. But newsflash, God's love is eternal, and I wouldn't be here today without any of those people. And a lot of these people are still in my life. I still talk to them on a regular basis. And I know that this is true for some of you. Caitlin, who's getting baptized tonight, Um, is here because a family friend of hers, Kira, also one of my best friends, uh, her parents are sitting in the back, sorry, um, uh, invited her to an ice cream social. And then someone invited her to a dinner and a message, and then a one-on-one, -on -one, which are one-on-one -on -one hangouts that we do here at CCF. If you're new. Um, and then CC Fresh, which is a small group for freshmen, um, where she got plugged in with other freshmen. And before she knew it, this was her home, whether she wanted it to be or not. Uh, many of you are here because of an invite. And if you're not here because of an invite, you came and you stayed because of how people treated you here. You're sitting in these seats tonight because someone invited you and someone invited them. You see, our time is the most valuable resource we have. Once we lose it, we cannot get it back. Olivia likes to say I warp time. That's not true. Time, it doesn't exist like that. It is very linear. <clears throat> By being here tonight, each of us decided that for some reason or another, dinner and a message was worth our time. We valued being here over being somewhere else or with someone else. And CCF exists because 45 plus years ago, a group of people in churches decided it was worth their time, their money, their effort, to start this ministry to serve college students. And we still get to be here today because students continue to value this community. Not only do they value this community, but they value their friends and they invite them, their friends, their roommates, their coworkers, and peers to this thing called dinner and a message that you are all currently at. Welcome. This is and will always be your ministry, whether you are an active student or not because everything you do here and outside of these walls affects people. Your actions affect people. And in the future, whether it's next week, next month, next year, or even four years from now, the people that will be in these seats are because of you. So I want to empower you tonight to make this place your own. Make it your home. Make where you are at in life your own. I don't want it to stop outside of this house or our group me, but invite people. 
Yeah, I would love it if you invited them here, but that's not what I'm talking about. Invite them just to go hang out. Lunch, coffee, have a group of people over to watch a movie at your apartment. People value these things. That's how you build friendships. You guys value these things. I value these things, so invite me. Uh, <laughs> um, oftentimes, we can get so focused on all the other things that we have that we lose sight of what's powering those. And that's our relationship with God and the community found within it. And I'm not saying don't do school or don't try at school or skip class. Don't hear that. That is not what I'm saying tonight. Um, I'm not saying don't try at whatever club, sport, or extracurricular you're doing. But pay attention to what you are valuing the most and how you prioritize that in your life. So something Donnie started doing is he asked a question um, to help stick in your minds and to reflect on as you go about this week. So my question tonight is twofold. What do I really value, and is that reflected in what I prioritize? My challenge to you guys this week is for you guys to think about that. How do you spend your time? Is the time you spend doing things what you value? I'm going to pray us out to end the night, and I thank you all for being here. Let's do what you do when you pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for all the people here that you brought here, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to be up here and to get to know these people. I pray that as we go about our night and our weeks, um, that you allow us to see you, to see your presence in everything that we do, Lord. I pray that we really consider what we value this week, Lord. I pray that as everyone goes out from here, they pour a little bit more into their relationship with you, but also their relationship with others, Lord. I pray that you will keep us all safe as we go from here. It's in your name.